Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Invest Podcast. I am Dan Ashmore, Head Research here at Invest. And today I'm joined by Dr. Craig Brown, who is Professor of Finance at the University of Houston. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. So today we're going to talk about the biggest story in markets, really. It feels like the Federal Reserve and all they're doing. Um, past year, it feels like everyone's just talking about the Fed. So we're talking about Fed, we're going to talk about the banking crisis and all the rest of it. Um, I'm going to start off, Craig, with uh, a big question. Uh, how much blame do you place on the Fed right now? Because this is kind of a controversial topic. Some say they look at, you know, inflation's come down a little bit and the Fed's number one priority is kind of inflation and things seem to be moving a little bit. But on the flip side, we've got this massive banking crisis. We've got all the rest of it. And, and you know, we obviously came through and we are still in period of massive high inflation. We're way north of that 2% target. So how do you think the Fed has has done through all this? Uh, not well. Uh, so, uh, just a little bit of background. I'm a University of Chicago trained economist, so I come out of the tradition of Milton Friedman, and and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, sort of was uh, was weaned uh, as an economist on uh, being skeptical about the Fed, and particularly an, an activist Fed. And I think that a lot of that criticism uh, 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 you know, carries over uh, to what we've experienced, not just over the past year, but yeah, the past uh, several years. So, yeah, when you say several years, like because we go way back and we see, you know, we've had this historically anyway, kind of bizarre, really long period of low interest rates until yes. last year, obviously. Um, do you think that that is where the damage was done? Yeah, so I th I think it's uh, yeah, so that basically uh, 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 laid the groundwork for the problems that we're seeing now, particularly in the banking sector. And yeah, you know, we shouldn't put all the blame on the Fed. Uh, you know, in some respects, yeah. You know, so the Fed was reacting to a big surge of inflation, uh, and I think you can lay a lot of that at U.S. fiscal policy, particularly uh, surrounding COVID. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, you know, the Fed. Um, uh, you know, you, you know, uh, essentially was uh, you know, through the COVID era and then it didn't really uh, react quickly uh, when the signs of inflation started to pick up uh, when the uh, we moved out of the pandemic uh, and uh, then it, you know, in many respects overreacted and the combination of those things uh, 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 you know, led to where we are today. Yeah, so there's a, a lot to dig into there. Let's focus just on the last year for right. for the moment, the, the tightening cycle. Right. Um, you, you said you, you think they went too far. Like, do you think, like, where do you think they should have terminated or where exactly you went wrong? Do you think they went wrong in, in this period? Well, you know, it's, you know, in some respect, I mean, there was like they they stepped on the gas for a long time and then all of a sudden sort of in panic, they you know, really slammed on the brakes uh, and, you know, so, you know, given what they had done before, it's somewhat difficult to figure out how they would have responded any differently uh, without uh, the prospect of inflation uh, becoming even more out of control. So they, they basically you know, painted themselves into a corner uh, where they were uh, yeah, essentially forced to tighten more aggressively, uh, and that had bad consequences. And I think uh, a lot of the consequences were, if you look at SVP and uh, SVB and some of the other banks that got into problems, uh, yeah, they weren't anticipating that. So the, the former CEO of SVP came out yesterday, I think, and basically says, "Oh, it was you know yeah, laying it all at the uh, at the Fed tightening." But he was basically responding to the incentives that the the Fed had created 
uh, 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 prior to uh, the tightening cycle. Yeah, and that part of it's interesting. Like I, I saw that as well um, from SVB and like, because these banks also mismanage the risk, right? There's, you, you said like, it's, it's not entirely the fault of the Fed. Yeah. Um, you know, we still saw the, the duration risk management here was way off. Um, now, how much, like, do you partition the blame there between, you said incentives and like, these banks obviously thought the rates, the, this period of low rates was going to continue for far longer. Were they told too confidently or should they have foreseen this risk? Like, where do you think the blame, like how much blame do you think lies with these banks? Well, so, yeah, so the, I mean, you know, you know, banks are somewhat like rats in a maze. And he was, you know, he was in the maze and he was looking for the cheese. And, uh, you, know, he, you know, the incentives <laughs> in the system uh, uh, sort of pushed him towards doing what he and other banks have done. So there, you know, there are a couple of things here, some of which is, you know, relatively technical, but I think is important and hasn't been uh, adequately uh, highlighted. Um, so. In the low interest rate environment, number one, banks are chasing yield, right? So they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah, the, the, the relatively low interest rate traditional investment. So they're, they're looking anywhere for yield um, and they can get relatively cheap money for the Fed. And, yeah, you know, so, yeah, you know, even when treasuries were yielding, long term treasuries were yielding you know, relatively low amounts by historical standards uh, relative to other alternatives that look pretty good, number one. Number two, you just look at the explosion in deposits in the post-COVID world. Uh, so, yeah, so you, you, some banks had all this money and what are we going to do with it? You know, they could have been, you know, invested it at the Fed for a quarter basis point or whatever, but that's why they say, oh, let's go out and chase some yield and go invest in longer term treasuries and get a hundred basis point pickup or something like that. Uh, but the other part of it is in terms of managing the risk <clears throat> is, uh, the way that uh, risk is priced for banks. And so basically that's why you have capital requirements, right? You know, so banks have to hold so much capital against their um, uh, liabilities. And, um, uh, and so treasuries, um, you know, so, so you know, treasuries have a very low or zero risk rate uh, uh, weight and capital requirements because they're viewed as being safe and they are safe from, well, maybe not next month, but uh, they're safe from a credit risk perspective, uh, but they have a lot of interest rate risk. And essentially the interest rate risk wasn't reflected in the capital requirements. And so that also biased uh, SVB and other banks uh, to go uh, and invest in long-term treasuries because they weren't being charged uh, for uh, in terms of capital for the risk uh, that they were really bringing to their balance sheet. And so you bring all those things together and that's um, uh, yeah, the recipe for what happened. There's, there's something called the, the theory of normal accidents, you know, like why do planes crash or nuclear reactors melt down and things of that nature. And usually it's a combination of events coming together that lead to these uh, kinds of situations. And I think that's what we see here. And you know, sort of the, the, the you know, one of the hidden parts of this was the incentive structure uh, that banks faced and continue to face. Uh, for right. And so now what happens next? Like we, we hear this term systemic thrown around a lot. Some people say it's not, some people say it is. Um, you know, eyes kind of turn towards the FDIC insurance, like, what, how big a problem is this for 
not only U.S. banking, but the U.S. economy? Yeah, that's that's a difficult question to answer, because in these sorts of situations, uh, the, the regulators, the Fed, the FDIC, you know, OCC, blah, 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 you know, the whole alphabet soup of, uh, of <laughs> regulatory agencies in the United States that have some sort of touch on banking, they have sort of an incentive to uh, uh, obfuscate uh, the situation. Um, and and that's you know, sort of also related to something that uh, Becker, the SVB uh, ex-CEO, said uh, yesterday, which was where he blamed it on social media, is that they're worried about these sort of social contagions and that, that concerns about banking can spread and lead to runs and things of that nature. And so they sort of have an incentive to sort of cast a veil over uh, the severity of the situation. And so that makes it very difficult for outsiders uh, to suss things out. Um, but the flip side of that is, is that then, you know, sort of, you know, people are going to be acting on, you know, less informed, uh, you know, suppositions and rumors. And, and so it's, uh, so I would say that the situation is still very, uh, fragile. Um, and that, uh, you know, that, 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 that things seem to be fairly calm now, but I think that the potential for another uh, spate of situations like we had with SVB are and Republic First Republic and others are are, uh, are 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 not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. So, do you think this is like how unhealthy do you think it is that you know we've seen SVB collapse? You mentioned First Republic there. There was signature like. The, the, this mid-market and community banks, which is a lot like I, I, I come from Europe and it's, it's less of a big deal, but it's it's like central to, right. you know, how, how the U.S. banking system works. Do you think this is a bad thing that they're kind of allowing this dominance of big names like J.P. Morgan to grow and, you know, these community banks are, are struggling so much amid this deposit crisis and this, you know, social media age and all, all these concerns spreading? Do you, do you think that's a problem? Yes, I, I do think that that's a problem. Is that you know, small businesses, middle market businesses in the United States are more are, are dependent to a large degree on uh, the banking and other financial services that are provided by mid market and community banks. And um, uh, yeah, so and one thing we've seen is as a result of this, even absent say J.P. Morgan taking over uh, you know, a bank. Uh, you, we've just seen this migration of deposits away from uh, from middle and, and community banks uh, towards um, uh, uh, the big banks, and uh, so and so that is uh, yeah, problematic uh, for uh, yeah, sort of the the U.S. economy overall, uh, particularly the smaller and medium sized business sector of the United States, which was hit very hard by by COVID. Um, and, uh, and also ironically, it, um, uh, in, in many respects, uh, acts counter to what the supposed purpose of, uh, Dodd-Frank, uh, was, uh, you know, 13 years ago now, which was to, uh, eliminate too big to fail. Well, the, the bigger getting bigger and, uh, uh, and they're getting bigger largely at the expense of the medium and smaller size banks. And, uh, I think that that, uh, is a, uh, uh, a, a problematic, uh, a shift, uh, in the banking sector in the United States. So do you think that the FDIC insurance needs to be looked at? Like there's been people saying, you know, the government should come out and guarantee all deposits right now. It's 250 K, which, from an outsider's perspective, it does seem a little bit a little arbitrary. Um, mm -hmm. Like, 
yeah, and I, I like from my point of view, I understand you know saying you looked at uh, some of these tech companies who had all their money tied up in uh, Silicon Valley Bank before we knew it was going to get guaranteed, and it's like okay, I can see you know you should do a risk assessment where you should put your cash, but expecting everybody in the US to do a risk assessment of where they should place their money, like which bank, seems a little bit odd. Um, do, what do you think about this insurance cap at two fifty k? Like obviously it's it's way above what most people would have, but do you think that needs to be looked at? Do you think that there is an argument that they should come out and guarantee all deposits? Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting question. I mean, there's a economic literature which suggests as it well, yeah, so that, that customers should monitor their banks and that that's uh, a, um, uh, you, know, uh, you know, perhaps a better um, uh, a provider of systemic uh, uh, safety than, you know, government monitoring. And, you know, I think that, you know, what we've seen, you know, Cast a lot of doubt on um, you know, how uh, you know, valid that is, and, but there's, yeah, there is this situation between, um, um, uh, you know, essentially this trade-off involved, which is you know, that more deposit insurance uh, uh, reduces the possibility of runs, but it also induces moral hazard because uh, because banks. Um, uh, can attract deposits and, and uh, you know, essentially the risk is socialized. Uh, and so they have an incentive to take on more risk. And then that make, puts more pressure on the regulators uh, to uh, uh, you know, sort of control the risk of banks. And we've seen that they're not very good at that either. So, uh, so it's, it's, there's a trade-off involved. Uh, where the right number is, is uh, somewhere between 250000 and everything. Uh, where in between is a hard question to answer. Um, uh, yeah, any number is going to be uh, any number is going to be arbitrary. <clears throat> um, but uh, you know, another issue with the uh, Silicon Valley <clears throat> situation was just sort of the ad hoc response, which was, "Oh, we're going to guarantee everything," um, and then you know, basically, essentially, provided de facto. Uh, FDIC insurance, because as we're seeing now, the costs of that are being passed on to uh, you know, to, to banks, the entire banking system in the United States through a special levy uh, by the FDIC. Uh, so I think we, yeah, so I think it would be reasonable to uh, increase it um, uh, and that that would be one way of uh, mitigating the situation at some of the smaller and medium-sized banks. Uh, but we have to be careful about going overboard and particularly going to let's guarantee everything. And like how, how much of these banking troubles should have been foreseen? Like, you know, we see there, we spoke earlier about the Fed kind of incentivizing these banks to, you know, go out in the risk curve. And, you know, we, we, we mentioned the duration risk they have and they, they got caught with these rates going up. Um, like we say as well, like the social media age and, and, and things travel quicker, you know, bank runs are not the same as they were in the past. You know, there, there were no queues outside physical buildings here, people trying to get their money out. It was just all happening two clicks of a button and 30 seconds. Like, is, is there an element of kind of the Fed figuring this out on the fly, you think? Should they have foreseen a little bit of this? Like, it's it's not anything new that we're in the social media age. This has been the case kind of for the last 10 years and, and they've been hiking for over a year now. And, you know, when we look historically at, at periods of, you know, swift hiking cycles, um, of which this is among among the quickest, things do break. So do you think that these banking troubles should have been foreseen or, or is that harsh? 
Well, yeah, so the, the Fed should have had visibility into uh, the, uh, uh, the, the duration risk uh, that these banks had. Um, uh, yeah, and they should have also been looking forward and realized that, hey, yeah, if we're going to start jacking up interest rates, um, yeah, that that's going to, uh, yeah, it, it, if it works as intended, it's going to you know, raise bond yields and you know, these banks that have a lot of duration risk are going to lose money. So, yeah, I mean, that should have been you know, something that should have been front and center in their um, uh, uh, you know, war gaming, if you will, um, the consequences of the tightening cycle. Um, and, uh, and you know, whether it should have you know, mitigated uh, or you know, sort of dampened the speed and the intensity of the rate hikes uh, is, uh, is, is a reasonable um, you know, question to ask. Uh, but certainly they, certainly they should not have been surprised by this because they, they have visibility on uh, where the, 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 the interest rate risk rested, uh, they uh, were intending to increase interest rates, and so they should have been uh, you know, fairly well uh, positioned to understand what the consequences would have been for the banking system. And what do you think happens next now? So, so the market seems to think that you know we've come to the end, cautiously come to the end of this uh, hiking cycle. Um, the last language out of, out of Powell at the last Fed meeting was noticeably softer and the kind of wait and see approach as for like previously, he's kind of almost promised or trying to convince the market that there are more hikes coming. Do you think that we're at the end of the cycle now? I think it's, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, being a, 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 a doing Fedology is sort of like doing criminology back in the uh, <laughs> during the Cold Wars and uh, trying to uh, yeah, figure out what's going on behind the curtain. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess that would be my guess, my bet. I mean, just looking at uh, you know the the banking situation, the economy in the United States is softening right now. Uh, inflation is abating uh, to some degree. Uh, so you, you, there are a lot of reasons for a lot of justifications that he'll be able to come out with and say, yeah, we're, we're done with, or, uh, yeah, to, to, to not increase rates and maybe even, you know, have a yeah, quarter point, uh, you know, down to, uh, you know, in a couple of meetings. Yeah. It'll be pretty wild to see us back to cuts again. Um, so, so soon. Um, and what about like, you know, a monetary policy, traditionally people say it has a lag. Um, do you think there'll be other things breaking here? We've, we've talked extensively about the banking crisis. Like, do you think that there'll be other trickle effects through the economy? Like we see the labor market still quite tight, like things are still okay overall. Um, do you think that will change? Yeah. So, I mean, so like I said, I mean, you see all the, you know, indications uh, you know, uh, of a relative um, a softening economy in the United States. You know, so, for example, the uh, the you know, New York uh, Industrial Index or whatever it was, uh, you know, came out uh, yesterday, I think, uh, and it was, uh, you know, that was bad. And basically, most of the particularly manufacturing sector uh, indicators uh, are, are are weak. Uh, and uh, and I can just. The overall economic sentiment in the United States uh, among you know, sort of normal people is uh, not very good. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I yeah. And, and the labor market thing, I mean, it's, yeah, it, 
that's another thing that sort of COVID screwed up as sort of an indicator of the strength of the economy because it, you know, it's it's hard to know uh, what the labor market um, uh, uh, you know, you know, changes in jobs is you know, sort of a lag response to sort of recovering from COVID, how much has really uh, strengthened the underlying economy. And also you have to look at the data and sort of scratch your head because you know, there have been uh, several you know, you know, surprises to the upside in job numbers in the United States. But at the same time, they're up you know, they're, they're reporting relatively high numbers for the current month. They have had big downward revisions in the past months. And so it's, um, uh, it's you know, the, 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 the data are, uh, you, know, all, you know, sending a less bullish signal if you look at them closely than what you would uh, 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 infer just by reading the most recent jobs report. Um, and uh, so, so I, yeah, my overall take is that the, you know, the the economy is relatively soft, and that that will be a a, a major factor in uh, in tempering uh, the Fed's uh, ardor to raise rates going forward. And do you think that that softer economy will will help to pull inflation down or, or continue to pull it down? So, so I mean, it's come down a lot. We're at four point nine percent, but that that's a long way away from from two percent. Do you think yeah. that will continue to fall? Well, so again, I, and I, yeah, so I, the, uh, I think that the the main driver of the inflationary shock that we've had in the last year and a half, uh, you know, going on two years, was you know, basically that was fiscal policy driven, and that's what in many respects would put the Fed in a bad situation. Uh, was is that you know so the, the the ballooning of the U.S. deficit, particularly around COVID. And so, uh, yeah, so that that's sort of yeah, plateaued. But now we're in a situation where there's uh, because of the debt ceiling negotiation, where there's uh, uh, yeah, some possibility of yeah, some some cuts uh, or at least cuts in growth and possibly restraining the deficit to some degree. And I think that that would be beneficial in terms of reducing uh, uh, reducing inflation. Um, so, so in many respects, the, the, you know, what's going on in the Capitol and in the White House, uh, uh, is really, um, uh, you know, a major factor in, uh, creating the circumstances that the Fed has to deal with through monetary policy. So, um, so one way of interpreting, uh, what's going on during this tightening cycle is, is that the Fed was fighting back against the impact of what the uh, uh, you know, Congress and the president had done in previous years in terms of, uh, of spending. Uh, and so that's going to be another important element in the dynamic going forward. Yeah, it's um, it, like it, w- one thing I always like to point out is that now I'm not saying that I, I don't think there's any precedent for the situation. You know, we, we've mentioned COVID there a, a once in a generation, you know, and all the supply chain issues that brought up and, you know, everything else, lockdowns and the fiscal policy. But if we go back to the last time we had inflation on the scale in the 1970s, we saw it come down like three different times and, and spike back up again. Yeah. Do you think that there's a chance that we could see something like that again? If, you know, you mentioned there, you think the Fed might cut soon enough? Like, it, it feels like it stopped hiking anyway. Like, if this this monetary policy becomes a little looser, do you think that the inflation could go the opposite way, and we we could go backwards, or yeah, no, yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, yeah, and yeah, so there's, uh, um, and yeah, so the yeah the, the yeah the Fed ha- the Fed has this sort of dual mandate, uh, 
not a sort of dual, there's dual mandate for both employment and inflation. Uh, and you know, at certain times, one of those two things tends to dominate their thinking. In the past year, it's been inflation. Uh, if the economy weakens, it will, you know, inflation will uh, recede in importance relative to employment. Uh, and you know, and that's why you get the possibility for these, you know, sort of you know, back and forth, stop and start, gas, you know, hit the gas, hit the brake, uh, kinds of, uh, of, uh, of of action uh, in the markets uh, and in the in the economy. And so, uh, yes, I think that it, we could see that uh, as a you know, as a very real possibility. And, and that, and, yeah. So if you if you have a price level or inflation target, and that's the sole thing that the central bank has to do, uh, that reduces the possibility for these sort of uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, swings uh, between uh, you know, surging inflation and cutting inflation uh, in the United States, in particular, with the Fed having the dual mandate. It's sort of baked in that those are uh, real uh, possibilities. So, so, so let me finish up on this then. Do, do you think, uh, to, to ask a, a little more positive question, um, so you've been, you've been pretty critical of the Fed p- part of the policy over the last while, but do you think there's any possibility we get through with this coveted soft landing from here and that things are kind of okay? You know, we're, we've talked about a softening economy. Like, is there a chance it just softens a little bit, inflation comes back down and we kind of like escape out the backside of this thing? Uh, I think that there is that possibility, and the most important driver of, of, of whether we'll have a soft landing or not is is whether the um, uh, the, the the banking issues are contained. Um, I think that the biggest risk of a hard landing would be that uh, uh, that the uh, the you know, that the banking situation gets worse uh, and substantially worse, and that that really. Yeah, not, maybe not quite like 2008, 2009, but in sort of an echo of that, uh, uh, you know, has a, a, a much uh, 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 more uh, baleful effect uh, on the overall economy. So I think that that's, yeah, that's going to be the sort of the key determinant of uh, how, uh, how soft the landing will be. All right. Well, I guess time will tell. There's, there's a million and one variables out there. So uh, absolutely. It, it, interesting chat uh that's dr craig Grong of the university of houston and for any listeners i will throw some links in the description if you want to check them out um thanks for coming on the show today craig all right thanks for having me i've enjoyed it